So this morning, who's ever heard the phrase, complete this phrase, actions speak louder Okay. So that would indicate, actually, here's another, here's, another, here's another one that Phil's used recently. Sticks and stones will break my bones. Okay. So that would lead us to believe that our actions have more impact than our words. Okay? But I'm going to disagree with that. Trust me, just to be awkward. You see, we're going to, when I look at the life of Jesus, you can look at Jesus and you can say, here are the, the things he did. And you can look at Jesus and say, here are the things he said. And I don't see actions being more powerful than words or potentially vice versa. Because an action enhances and reinforces a word. But without the word, there's no action. You see, if I'm, a, if I'm, if I'm uh, going to a football game, um, you know, when I was at school, I used to go to football games and my dad used to come. When... When I came off the football pitch, I could think, well, my dad must love me and must like me because he took me to the football game. And so that shows me that he cares about me. That shows me that he loves me. But actually, all I want is for my dad to say, well done, son, you played well there. I'm proud of you. You see, without the words, the action doesn't, can't take place in the way it doesn't have the same impact as without the word and so in the kingdom of God we need actions and we need words now you think this is quite a simple gospel this is quite a simple message it's so simple we all struggle with it and I want us to look at the life of Jesus this morning to a degree and and when you look at some of the ways he did things I want to bring us a challenge or an encouragement, whichever way you want to look at it. So, Jesus said in John 9, John 5, 19 to 20, a couple of quick things. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. And yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. So in the scripture we see that Jesus was clear that he can do nothing on his own. Jesus never did anything of his own accord. The Father shows him all that he does. So essentially what Jesus was was a very good copycat, in one sense. I see my father do it, and then I do it. It's not difficult in its, in, in, when, in its essence. You know, it's like when you used to, if, 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 if you've ever been to, I remember going, you know, in your school, you do a dance lesson, you have a dance teacher, now you do this, so everyone does that, and then you do this, and then we all do that. Now put your knees up. Have you ever been to those like um, exercise classes? I've only I've seen them on TV. I've not really been to any, but I've seen them. On TV. And you have to copy the person on the DVD. And it's like they're they're showing you everything, and all you've got to do is do what they do. No, it's not quite that simple, as some of us all know, as we're all falling over backwards, panting for breath. <laughs> but the principle is there. But the interesting thing it says the Father showed him all that he does. But why? Because the son, yeah, but because the son sought to know all he does. There's a relationship that took place between the father and the son, so that the father, as we know, the father was pleased to have all of himself dwell in Christ, but that was at the end of his ministry. But before that, there was an attitude of, Father, I don't do anything by myself, I want to see what you do first. And so as a consequence of that, Everything 
God did, he revealed to his son. Amen? You see, you and I, when we do anything, we must be an accurate representation of whatever is going on in heaven. See, when we do stuff, when we do things, most of the time we do things out of our own accord. We do things out of many reasons. We do, we do things for many reasons. Sometimes it's prompted by something. But in whatever we do, a lot of the time, we do what we feel is best. But Jesus didn't do what he felt was best. Jesus simply said, Father, what are you doing? He says, Son, I'm doing this. He went, right, well, that's what I'm going to do then. There was very little thought in it. A lot of relationship, but a very little thought. So when we, especially in a time like we're in now, if we are not accurately representing what is going on in heaven, then we misrepresent God on the earth. And when we misrepresent God on the earth, we have a problem. Amen? You see, I don't know where we are. But then he says this. Do I need to move this microphone? Because I feel like I'm just booming everything. Up. Okay. Better? Okay. But then it says at the end, and yes, and he will show him, <laughs> that's going to work, all, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Now we know in the Bible it says, Jesus said to us, and to his disciples, and you will do even greater things than I. Some people interpret that as he will do Physically greater things, like more of, you know, more things. Some people interpret that as we will do even greater and grander things than Jesus. But either way, it's more and it's better. Yeah? But the fact that the Father here was showing the Son that says, because everything I show you, because first of all, you come to me and go, God, what should I be doing and how should I be doing it? The Father goes, I will open heaven to show you, I will give you a looking glass straight into the heavenly, so you know exactly how you should be doing everything. And because of that, and because I've seen you do that, not only will I show you all I'm I'm doing, but I will now reveal to you all I am about to do. Because I will show you even greater works than these. Now, there's no greater work than what Christ did. But we have a work. And we must look at Christ to understand that. You see, so many churches are good. I find when I look at churches, on the whole, churches are split into two categories for me. There are the, there are the speakers and there are the doers. There are those churches that love to go out and they're in the community and they'll do good works and they'll raise money and they'll, they'll do coffee shops and they'll do whatever you want, they'll do stuff. You know, and you see loads of churches and they'll invite, the, they'll have, you know, they'll have your yeah, fitness clubs in there, they'll, they'll, they'll open the building for lots of things. So there's a lot of doing going on. And then you've got other churches that, do a lot of talking. They're very deep in the word. They're very word-based churches. They're very, they're very, they, 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 love the, they love the prophetic. They love all that kind of stuff. And it's very rare to find a church that does both. See, for me, personally, and this is just me, this is just me, so don't get offended at me. When I look, say, when I look at, and, and because I work with a lot of, when I look at a lot of Anglican movements, they're very good at doing community stuff. They love doing the community stuff. They, they, they're in the, all of the community. They have the, the, the shops and they do all that kind of stuff. And they're really good. But what I find it, what we find is that apart from an, a word of encouragement, what they say, they struggle with. 
Whereas you, where I would say this house, when I look at everyone in this house, I would say we're very word orientated. We love the prophetic word. We're open. We love that. We love the work of the Holy Spirit, but we love the prophetic word. We love the preceding word. We we love to talk. We love to. We, we're very very good at that. We're very good at speaking to each other. We, we don't, we're open with prophecy, all those things. We're comfortable, on the whole, with that environment. Are we not? With that? Is that wrong? Am I right? Okay. But how much of what we are very good at inside the church are we good at revealing outside the church? And how many of us would say we have a work that we outwork? Yeah? Now let's look at Jesus again in John 12, 49, 50. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Jesus was clear that he was not speaking from his own wisdom but was given but the wisdom that was given to him by his father. Well, can we agree on that? We can also see that Jesus again, I just hear what my father tells me and what he teaches me, and I repeat it. I simply reveal that which God says. What he says, I say. What he does, I do. What he, do, what he says, I say. So that, always, that says to me one of two things with Jesus. Either Jesus was essentially an evolved monkey with a parrot-like tendency. Monkey see, monkey do. And a parrot just repeats. And Jesus was a robotic, thoughtless, brainless man that just repeated everything you told him. Or... He was so utterly and totally and completely convicted and convinced by what the Father did and said and showed him that there was no, there was no need to do anything outside of what the Father did and said. Because he had total faith in that which was given to him. But the problem that we find is that we don't do that. We struggle with that. Jesus' life, and I want to show some examples and continue this understanding that Jesus, if you can, in your Bible, turn me to Matthew 8. But just put a note in your Bible, this. Just jot this down. John 5, 24 to 25 says this. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So if we want, if we want to know if Jesus was convinced by what his father said, then that scripture tells you right there. Now funnily enough, Jesus said that scripture after he'd done a healing. He healed the man by the pool who'd been, who, 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 who had been in that way for 38 years. And so Jesus healed him, take up your mat and walk. And so Jesus was responding to this because they were, they were having a go at him because he did it on the Sabbath. But Jesus did something, but then he spoke something. Jesus never did anything quietly. He never did anything without opening his mouth after. But I, but I want to understand that very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The power of our words turn death to life. You can love someone to death, but it's not giving them life. 
always. So if we look at, now here's what, what I'm going to put it here. Okay, I'm going to put it here. Right, sorry, there's the scripture I thought, where am I going to put this? I've had it in four different places. I'm going to stick it in now. So you're in Matthew 8, that's fine, stay there. But jot down 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10 to 13. Now a lot of people go, yeah, but that was Jesus, Paul. Jesus did all that. Well, he had this special access because he kind of is God. Yes, but Jesus was a man on the earth. And the whole point of him being a man on the earth was he had to learn how to relate with his father as we'd have to relate with his father. Jesus went to the toilet like we did. He ate like we did. He talked like we He had to talk with people and relate with people. He had to go and work. He had to find a house. He had to live the life we had to live, which is why... If you want to understand how to live your life, we have to look at the, how Christ lived his life. If you want to understand how the Father and how we have to relate with our Father, we have to look at the, the relationship between the Son and the Father. But it says here, in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 13, you know the scripture well. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom. But in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual truths or realities with Spirit-taught words. So we, Jesus never spoke on his own accord. He didn't speak from the place that well, I'll just, I'll just use my own thoughts. Jesus always said, God, what are you saying? What are you revealing? What, that you're revealing what you have given to me in order that I may release spirit-taught words and spirit-truths and realities. Our job is to make spiritual realities known to people. So let's look at the life of Jesus a bit more. Matthew 8. I'm just going to use my Bible for this. There's three sections in this, in, this, in this chapter, and I love, and I've been camping around all three of them for a couple of weeks, I was, and I was using this to teach the youth, so you're sort of getting half of what I spoke to the youth last week, so you're very privileged. It says this, when he came down from a mountainside with large crowds, large crowds followed him, this is uh, Matthew 8, 1, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately he was cured. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony. You see... Jesus saw a man in need and he was willing to act to meet that need. I am willing. And though, just, those script, just those words hit me like a ton of bricks. You need to understand that whenever you come to God and say, God, if you're willing, he's always going to say, I am willing. I am willing. But then, immediately after he spoke the word, be clean, he then gave him instruction on what to do next. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story. Em and I have, got, have been friends with this couple for 15 years. So I won't say who they are. They don't go to church. They're not Christians. So probably none of you know them anyway. And this couple were... How can I say it? They're a little bit topsy-turvy. Really great people. Very good friends. But they had this habit of 
um, things going wrong, shall we say. Generally, it was down to the guy, because it generally is. Because <laughs> we're a bit thick as boys sometimes. So what happened was this, is obviously we're friends, and because they knew that in our relationship, in our marriage, we'd been through something and we, our, our had we, we'd been able to go from the, from the pit of looking like we, were never, we weren't going to be together anymore. And God completely restored our marriage. And even though they're not Christians, they saw that. They saw that. They recognized it. So whenever there was relation, relationship situations, even though we didn't see them all the time, they always came knocking on our door. Now what did we do? I took the, guy, the lad to one side and then takes the lad to one side and we start to talk to him. And we encourage them, and we love them, and we try and sort it out. And I was working really hard. And there was one time I remember, I had to, I, I had to go around to his house. And the, the ruse, because you know what, because here's the thing about blokes, right? Girls don't need much to talk. You can have a cup of coffee, you could be stood in the supermarket aisle, you can just anywhere. You'll start talking, and you'll just start relating, no problem. Blokes need something to do. We have to do something. So we'll go play pool. We'll go and have, a, we'll go and have some food because obviously food always works with us. Um, we might have to go and see, we'll go see, go see, a, we'll go see a band. We'll go and play something. We have to do something. There is a thing with a bloke. We can go four hours and not one meaningful word will get mentioned. <laughs> we'll talk about football. We'll talk about the news. We'll talk about politics. We'll talk about misuse. We'll talk about... Anything, doesn't matter what it is, we'll talk about anything. But if you don't put your finger on the button, the other guy won't say it. You both know something needs to be said. You both know that's, and we, and both of us know, we're saying that we're getting together for a game of FIFA, but we really know that we're talking about something else here. Right? But Johnny Yellow here buckled out of it. I knew I had the words of life to bring to him. But I was afraid of how he'd react. I was afraid of how he'd respond and we might reject it. Did I believe that even though I've seen restoration in my own marriage, I doubted the words and what had been given to me. So we just played FIFA. And then we played football. And nothing changed. So guess what? 18 months later, they're here again. So we carry on loving them. We carry on speaking to them. And I'm thinking, I need to say something. And God's going, the same truth last time is the same truth that is available this time. But again, nothing. Now, am I accurately representing what is going on in heaven right now? No. You see, actions without words, it's like a lake. Your words get shoved in the lake, but they don't go anywhere. We're supposed to be a river, streams of living water. We're supposed to flow. It's supposed to come into us from heaven. Spiritual truths and realities are, are revealed to us, and we then have to move them out. We have to find a place for them to be sent to. We have to find a place for them to be released to. But I didn't do it because I doubted the very words that were given to me. Even though I know it worked for me. And even though he knows it worked for me. But then when you have to tell somebody why it worked for me and I have to bring Jesus into the equation and I have to bring, I have to maybe say some controversial things or I have to highlight some sticky points. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. I need, I need the loo, I'll be back in an hour. All right, I exit, I'll just exit stage right. So it took, and you know, but here's the thing. Their relationship didn't get any better and time was going on. And it was getting worse. And the damage was getting worse. And there's only one person who's, a, who's responsible for that, really, and that's me. Because I'm the one with the answer and I'm the one with the relationship, but I'm refusing to breathe life into something that is dying. Because of my own fear and my own doubt. So it wasn't until, again, last year, 
it happened again. And, he, and do you know what? This was, you know, you, you just go, you, 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 you just, what? You're an idiot. <laughs> what, what you, what you, you know? But, you, but, then, but then I had to go, but Paul, it's not his fault. Because you've allowed him to continue on this path without opening your mouth. So eventually, eventually, I plucked up the courage, the courage and I spoke. Did I speak well? I don't, probably not. I brought him in here. I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll put him with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we had pizza in the back room there. I was like, right, no, you're coming to me. Coming to my house where I feel comfortable. And the Lord was with me. Now, he didn't respond how I really wanted him to respond. But he responded. Then a month or two later, after nothing, I get a phone call. Should we go play some snooker? Because we have to have something to do, you see. And so I learned my lesson from previous occasions. And after about halfway through the snooker, I thought, he ain't going to tell me nothing, but I know he needs to tell me something. So I thought, right, time to act in faith. What's going on? I'm now going to ask you the questions, the Holy Holy Spirit, give me the words and the way to to speak life. So I had to take a step of faith again and go and press the button. And guess what? All of a sudden, I was given a window and I could just release everything that that God had given me into this person. And now, things are changing. Right? But it only took me eight years, you know. It only took me eight years. <laughs> but you see, this is, but this is the, but this is how, this is what we're like. I can challenge you in church, but as soon as I walk outside the doors, I lose all faith in the words of life that I know to be true. It's great that we're good Christians. It's great that we want to, we want to help people. But ask yourself to use the words to go along with the to go along with the action. Next scripture. Go to this one now. Uh, chapter verse fourteen. When Jesus came to into Peter's house. No. Okay. He saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. She got up and she went to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word. And he healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken about through the prophet, the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he carried our diseases. As Christians, we have to know, we must know when a word or an action is required in any given situation. God shows us what to do in all situations. God tells us what to say in all situations, but we must know the discernment on what to do. Most of us go to our default setting of what we feel most comfortable with. So some of us like to talk. So when we need to be doing something for someone and go out of our comfort zone, we don't, we just sit and talk. But when some of us who like to, we don't like talking, because talking's a bit like, Ey. so therefore what I'll do is I'll just love you. I'll just do lots of things for you. But we must know, when we, if we are going to live a journey, we are going to finish our race, God is, and if God is going to use us, we have to be willing to know how to act, when to act, and what to say, and when to say it. Otherwise, we spend a lot of time running around and not getting anywhere. And, we send, and then what does that do? It, it brings a cycle of decline. You then, you then begin to doubt that which you carry. 
because, well, I didn't really, well, it's not really working, or I don't really, and then you start to doubt yourself, and all of a sudden, the things all around begin to take shape, and so all of a sudden, we lose confidence, and we lose confidence, and we lose confidence, and we lose confidence, and we stay the same. But Jesus, if you go to the bit before, I'll just read it there quick, the centurion. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and asked him for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible need. Jesus said to him, all right, I'll go. I'll go and heal him. I am willing to go. He didn't say, let me think about that. God, should I go? He just do. He knew why. Because there was a, a relationship he had in the spirit with his father when he instantly knew what he needed to do. But how many of you know not every situation goes the way you think it's going to go? How many of you know when you go out to help people, sometimes things kind of throw you a bit off kilter? Yeah? But then this guy, clearly shocking Jesus, says, Jesus, he, said, he says, I'll go and heal him. But then the centurion says, whoa, Lord, I don't, need, I don't deserve you to come into my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell this one, go. And he goes. I tell this one, come. And he comes. I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. You see, there is a natural, when we begin to accept and, and, and work with the word that is within us and the authority and the power given to us, it stops becoming a thought process and becomes an instinctive action. We just start to say it. I tell this one to come, come. I tell that one, go, here he goes. I don't think, why? I am a man under authority, but I also recognize I am a man or a woman of authority. Jesus was under authority from his father, but he also recognized he had authority from his father to go and do the will of God. You and I have the will, have the, the authority to go out and change people's lives. We have the will and the ability to, re, 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 to have all of heaven revealed through us. Spiritual truths and realities so that we may understand that which we have freely received. And so Jesus was, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and take their places with the feast of Abraham. But then there's those who are subject who won't. Then he says, go, it will be done as you believed it would. In times like we are now, we have to believe in the power of what we are given. If we cannot believe this power, then there is no victorious life. If we, cannot, if we do not believe in the word given to us in a season, then it has no power to affect us. I want to show you, if you come with, with to 1 Thessalonians, I know we're going all over the place here, aren't we today? 1 Thessalonians. I had this scripture, I knew God wanted this scripture, gave me this scripture weeks ago. And you know when you go, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this scripture. But you've given me God, so I'll just wait. And then, here we go. So it says in the verse, in verse 2, start with verse 2. Oh, sorry, chapter 1. Sorry, chapter 1. Start at the beginning. We always give thanks to God. We always give thanks. We always thank God. Sorry, I'll start again. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just stop there for a second. So what can we see here? There is a people who have a work. And it's a work by faith. It's a labor, which means it's hard work. But that is prompted by love. And there is an endurance 
to keep on going. Despite what you see, despite what you don't see, despite what you feel, that is inspired by hope. So, there's, so we see that there is a people here who have taken hold of faith, love, and hope. So this should be a house worthy of note. This is a people that you think, and you can see Paul's like, I always give thanks to God for you. So there was something about these people that they, that they brought joy to the heart of Paul. Because there was a certain way that they responded, but let's have a look at what happened. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. A word that is spoken without conviction gives the Holy Spirit no room to move and therefore has no power. A word spoken without conviction gives the Holy Spirit no room to work and has no power. See, why are our words so powerful? Because our words, when we take the word of God, when we take the word given to us to breathe into someone else, the Holy Spirit grabs hold of the word and brings power to everything you say, which goes beyond and above anything you can think of. It doesn't matter if it's not eloquent. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's, if it, if it's spoken in, in, in a way that isn't, what, isn't the most articulate. It doesn't matter. Because your words spoke with conviction, however simple, carries the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we seeing this? And then it says, so these were people that received, why are they acting like they're acting? Because before they started acting, they first had to receive the gospel. But they received the gospel in such a way that they allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to enter into them and it brought a deep conviction. We must allow the word of God, the word that we hear from the pulpit, the word that you read in your scripture, the word that is received to you when someone brings you a word, that has to, if there is no conviction with what you hear. Now, now take away things where you go, I don't believe that's of God. When we know it's of God, because you're right to obviously, we have to have discernment, but and when we know that the word is right and true and there is no conviction, you, you literally empty the word of its power. And so your ability to live in a powerful way is redundant. And then we look at this, and here's where the action comes back in. In verse 5, still verse 5, You know how we lived among you for your sake, and then you became imitators of us and the Lord in spite of suffering. You welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. You see, the word grabbed them and hit them. And out of a conviction and being inspired by the word of God, they then became imitators of God. Well, that's just like Jesus, is it not? Jesus saw what his father was doing. He heard what his father was saying and he imitated it. He just released it. These people had caught hold of something, but the word has to catch hold of you. How many words have you had in your life? And they've been there for a long time, but yet you've lost your conviction of the word. This morning there are words that you have received that are from God, but they have been emptied of their power because you have stopped believing in them. Em and I know this very well. Seven years ago, eight years ago, seven years, eight years, something like that, and about 2008, 2009, the Lord gave us a scripture, gave us a word, gave me the word. 
you are going to have a second child. This child will be born of a generation. It will be a specific generation. So we knew it was separate. People will say they are blessed because your child's been born. And we're still waiting. And for how many years did we let go of the power of that word? And God, ha- and, and I can speak this to you because I've had to go through this myself. I've had to go back and find the power in the word again. So I can declare it out. I didn't even pray for a second child. I kidded myself. Well, you know, I've received the word and God's time and he'll just bring it about. That's a great excuse for you saying, I don't want to have to put my faith on the line again and maybe get hurt. If we can't even have faith for the words given to ourselves, how are we supposed to be a conduit for the Holy Spirit to release life into other people? Now, God, by his grace for someone else, will still use us. But at what level is dependent on how much we can take hold of the word in this season for our own lives? I guarantee every single one of you has had a word of some kind. Whether you recognize it or not, there is an issue. But these people, in verse 13 it says, And we thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God which is at work in those of you who believe. So many times we hear a man or a person speak a word, but we take them simply as the words of men. And, we, and, we, and, and, we, and what we do, what do we do? Is we then debate them in our mind. We debate them and we look for a way to always disprove and prove them. We're looking for some, for some sort of evidence. But you see, these people, and this is something I want to bring, some people... These people heard this gospel in spite of severe suffering. Now, right now, I just want to understand, when you don't have the word of God to fill a a part of your life, you find words from other sources to do the job instead. The moment you don't believe in the word of God, you have to find a word somewhere else. You have to find a rationale from somewhere else. There are people all over this world, all over this city right now, that have the only words that they've got are those of fear, those of trepidation. And then we talk about suffering. We talk about suffering. Let me ask you the question. How do you think, compare your suffering to those kids who've lost both of their parents on Monday. Compare your suffering to the wife who lost her husband to cancer three months ago and then lost her son in the Manchester bombing. Compare your suffering to that and ask yourself, am I in severe suffering? Now you might be, and your pain isn't any less real than theirs, but there is that we have got to become a people that despite severe suffering, We find sanctuary in the faith of this word is real. And it does what it says it's going to do. And I can do what it says I can do. And it has the power that if I say it, something will happen. Not just for my life, but beyond my life. Are are are, Are we understanding this this morning? Jesus showed us action, words, they go together. We need both. We can't just be a church that speaks lots of spiritual language but has no outworking to use it in. But we can't be a church. What's the point in having every ministry going of helps and of of service to the community and we keep our mouth shut and we don't change someone else's world? The word that you have isn't that the Holy Spirit can reveal to you has the power to change someone else's world. We have to believe that the simple word that I have has the ability to change someone's life. You see, actions have the, have the power to change circumstances. So if you look at, the, there's a brilliant like a crowdfunding or appeal, isn't there, for raising money for all the victims? Yeah? I think they've raised like £5 million. It's amazing. I had some friends from work and they were all, they were on the streets in, and on Saturday yesterday. They were, they were raising money. It's brilliant. And obviously people are, there's, there's concerts, benefit concerts being announced. It's all going on. 
And these guys need that because you know what? I was talking to a lady, uh, two ladies um, on the day after, on the Tuesday. One lady had a daughter who was in um, Manchester Royal anyway, and she said it was just, it was just chaos, partly because the media were all there. But then there was another lady who had a, whose sister was a, I don't know, was a matron or whatever, a higher nurse in those departments. And she said, it says 59 injured, but, she doesn't, it does, but it doesn't say is what those injuries are. This isn't just a bit of shrapnel that give them a cut. This is, I've lost limbs, I'm having brain surgery, I'm, these people's lives are never going to be the same again. So this is, you know, and at the end of the day, Money will help them to a degree. Money will give them support. It will mean, because these guys haven't got life. There are, they, they might have had careers that they were going to go down, but they, haven't got, they might not be able to do that now. So their lives are going to change. So will the money help? Will the action of you, us giving money help? Absolutely. But internally, the scarring, that's what's going to kill them. But it says, those who hear the voice of the Son of God will come back to life. So the word has to be released from the house of God. And it's, and it's not just in the house of God when I'm in this house praying for the city. That's great. But when we walk out of these doors, we have to take that life out. That has got to be what we do. Now I want to read you, I'm going to give you a, a video. And it's a guy called Bill Johnson, pastor of Bethel. So you probably know him. I just heard this the other night. So I pre- uh, this came after I'd sorted my sermon out, but I just think it's a great, it's a great way of looking at something. Um, it's the start of a, you might hear something, it's the start of their conference, Heaven and Earth conference. So he makes a, a comment about the conference, so ignore the conference, but just listen to it. Um, I think it makes, it help say better than what I just said. <laughs> so have a listen. Go on, Ralph. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. He's perfect theology. It is theologically immoral to allow anything, any revelation about God that contradicts what you see in the person of Jesus, to allow that to trump your concept of what God is like. The clearest manifestation of the nature of the Father seen in the person of Jesus. He made it very clear. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How did he handle sin? How did he handle sinners? How did he handle disease? Was anybody alive in the building? We got concepts of the nature of God that are, that, are, that are based on disappointment, not based on revelation. See, your questions about God, the questions that every one of us have, none of them have the authority to cancel a revelation. What God has shown us about his nature in the person of Jesus I'm eternally responsible for. I'm responsible to represent Christ, represent Christ, to represent him as he is. When God made it possible for the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to live inside of me, it made powerlessness inexcusable and unacceptable. Powerlessness is inexcusable and unacceptable. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me and is in you, and he wants out. I like to put it this way, he's, he's not in us as a lake, he's in us as a river, and rivers flow from. It's the most amazing thing to me, to see the nature of God, how it becomes your nature as a believer. At some point, we're actually going to have to believe in our own conversion. At some point, because we keep praying for stuff we already got. We keep praying for things that we already have, and we wonder why we get bored in prayers, because we labor over things that we already possess. And the Lord is releasing a spirit of wisdom and revelation over his people, where we actually rise to who he says we are. See, I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me that's not in his head about me. It's important that we learn to ponder things that the Holy Spirit can say amen to. Your mind is a very valuable thing. Jesus himself died to protect that mind of yours. It was so important to him. The the mind. But the mind is only useful when it becomes under the influence of the spirit man. He wants to teach us how to think. He wants to teach us divine perspective. 
The Lord is into building something, a revival culture that creates the atmosphere where anything can happen at any time. And our effort is not to get people into the building, it's to get the kingdom out onto the streets. And the passion that the Lord is releasing in this hour is raising up a group of people that are trained. We're going to see miracles stand. We see them every, every time we, we declare his word. It's just there's never an exception. We always see that. But I didn't come for that. I can see that at home. I came to help raise up an army. So we're going to have a, a wonderful time tonight just watching what Jesus does and giving him glory. And there's just no labor to it. It's just all fun. It's just all encouraging. But I want to start by just telling you, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. He's perfect theology. How many people did he turn away when they came for a miracle? You know, it, it was, it's strange, but it didn't even matter how much faith. We sometimes use faith as the qualifier for getting a miracle. And he just didn't even use that as an excuse to not heal someone. I mean, the lowest measure I can find in the Bible is the guy who came with his son that was tormented by demons. And he comes to Jesus and... In Mark 9, and he, he says, if you are able, would you heal my son? That's not like a whole lot of faith. Coming to God and saying, you know, I don't know if you can handle the size of my problem. But Jesus, what he did is he would always address if there was fear, if there was little faith, if there was great faith. He would always identify what they had. And in this case, he talked about his fear. He says, it's not what I can do. It's if you believe. And he addressed the guy, says, well, help me in my unbelief. So he was struggling with his faith. What did Jesus do? Provided a miracle. Why? Because he would provide the miracle to give him access to the realm of faith he talked to him about. He wouldn't withhold the miracle as punishment. He did not withhold because he had something to give. He knew the heart of the Father. And it's really a big deal that we learn how to re-present Christ. Most, most of us. You know, we've, we've, we've got good things that we've learned. We're, we're, in a, we're in a culture that has very many positive things to it. But do you understand? There's all, we've learned so many things that we've got to unlearn. The Lord's just trying to tear off the layers of things that we thought about. And just, they're just simply not true. They're not true at all. And the Lord is after that because he's after your mind. He's after your mind because your mind becomes the canvas that he paints on. It becomes the very thing that receives that impression, that, that impression of what God is saying or what God is doing. There, there, there ha something happens in a renewed mind. A renewed mind is like one of the most valuable things. I, I believe we're in the beginning stages of a reformation, and I believe one of the absolute most essential ingredients of this, this move of God that will shape the course of history and affect entire nations of the world. This move of God has a, one of its main priorities and core values is the renewing of the mind. And the renewing of the mind is not simply being able to quote a verse to address a specific problem. It is not that. It is a renewed mind that comes from a divine encounter. Any revelation from Scripture that does not take me to the person of Jesus in divine encounter will only make me more religious. It will only equip me to argue with people who disagree. And what has to happen is that you and I, as we learn from the scriptures and we see what God is saying, it is vital to us to say, you know what, it's not good enough for me to have the concept and the theory. I must have the experience. I must be a person that can deliver the goods. It's not good enough that I can just say, go to such and such a church, you can get a miracle there. That's not good enough anymore. It's not good enough anymore that we can say, go to Reading or go to Dallas or go wherever. That's not good enough anymore. It's got to be that you and I learn how to take this gospel that is no limit in its power, no limit in the reach of God's compassion and love for people to take it right into the right into the gut of our cities, right into the right into the core of our cities. Because Jesus is interested in changing culture, not just getting bodies in chairs. Did you know the, the, the greatest privilege and treasure that you and I have to give away is actually the presence of the Lord? Why do you think Peter's shadow would heal people? Because your shadow will always release whatever overshadows you. As you learn to host the presence of the Lord, there is something that takes place around you as you learn to carry the actual atmosphere of heaven, the actual atmosphere of another world. Yeah? You see, Jesus carried the atmosphere of heaven and he carried the presence of his Father. But what's incredible is that you and I also have that ability. 
because the same power that was in Christ is in you and in me. Our city is, is weeping. Our city is struggling. And that's not to take away from what our struggles are. But our struggles, most of them, or our, should I say, our prolonged struggles, are found in our inability to believe the word of God. The power that is in the word of heaven. The power that heaven can be released over you, in you, and through you. We have to get to a point on our journey. Because remember, it's about the journey. We're going, we're on a journey. We want to get to the place called finish. It's a long way away, Lord willing, for all of us. But we often say amen, amen, amen when we hear about, you know, and God wants out and we want to get into the community, get into the community. But it just, it's got to start in you and in me. I'm not standing here telling you I've got all the answers because I just gave you an example. It took me years. I struggled to talk to one guy. But I had at some point to accept that something is not going to change and I have to take responsibility for that Someone else's life is my responsibility. Because unless every single person in your life is a, is a mature Christian, then there are people who don't know what you know and don't have access to what you have access to. And we need to become a people that go, Jesus, I'm carrying you and I want to release you, your presence. I want to introduce someone to your presence. And that, and that action then takes on whatever it is. It's not that Jesus, went, didn't, Jesus didn't just go around heal, healing people. That wasn't, the only, that wasn't his trick. It wasn't just to cast out demons and to, and, to, and to lay their hands on the sick. That is part of what he did. But he changed people by what he said. Because when he spoke, people knew that he spoke with authority. You and I have the ability right now to go into our workplaces, to go onto every street. I know people who, uh, my next door neighbours, didn't go out for a meal last night in Manchester because they're just, oh, it's just too soon. Because fear is still gripping people. And guys, if we think that Manchester is the only place that's going to get bombed, and it might not, and you know what? I was in the last, I was in the, the last one previously, the IRA bomb. I was there, and so was Dave, we were together. So we know, I know what it feels like when that sort of thing happens and you're there. And I remember going back into Manchester and that fear gripping me going, what if it happens again? I remember it. I remember seeing the smoke rising up after when the bomb went off last time. I remember seeing people crying and freaking out when they realised what was going on. And then there's the deafening sound because that was a big bomb. But amazing, that bomb didn't kill anyone. But this one did. But we can't look at the jihadists. We can't look at the people who are doing that. That's, to give, that's giving the enemy airtime. That's giving the enemy your mind. God, Jesus did what he did to take hold of your mind. The reason why Christ seems mind is because the only things he dwelt on were the things God told him to dwell on. The only things he thought were the things the Holy Spirit could then say amen to that. We must have our minds fixed on that which is true and that which is a reality. So this morning, I feel it's right that we, I don't feel, I don't feel it's right that we need to pray for our city. I don't, I don't, and, and don't, don't, that's not being, we've already done it actually in, in the prayer meeting. But that's not, praying for our city is one thing, that's fine. But the real healing that our city needs lies within you and me. What our city needs is Jesus. What our city needs is a people that know how to not just believe in the word, but how to execute it. How to, how to do that. 
how to arise, advance, accelerate and execute the will of God. And that starts with the way you love someone, the way you're not willing to say what is in your heart, to say what the Holy Spirit, and it's being willing to say every day, Jesus, I believe that heaven is open over my life and therefore the words that someone else has, that's bringing them death. Jesus, I'm asking you now, give me the words that will bring life into that life. People's worlds are totally destroyed at the moment. But you and I, in our own wisdom, don't have the word that can bring life. But in him we do. All it needs is us to be willing to start a work in faith, to labor with someone prompted by love, and to endure despite suffering, despite our own pain, despite our own issues, because we have an eternal hope in who he is and what he can do. So let's just stand to our feet. The day the church can, can the, the day the church can take hold of this truth, the enemy's days are finished. Because no, because there will no longer be a foothold. You know, I, I, we, the, the one of the, the word of the year for our our youth is, is found in Ephesians, and one of them, part of it says, "Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour, for we are all members of one body." And it says, "In your anger, do not sin; do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give." the enemy a foothold. You see, when we do not act in faith, we are putting on falsehood because that's not who we are. Who we are are sons and daughters of the living God. You are a son and you are a daughter of the living God entrusted with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee Then you can take it. It's our responsibility to take it out. It's time we start speaking truthfully of the gospel we know to our neighbours. It's time that whoever your neighbor is, that we begin to release that and release heaven accurately over our city. Amen. So Father God, right now, we thank you that your word is life. We thank you that all those who hear you will go from a place of death and could step into life. And we thank you, Father, that we have received that. But Lord God, it's time for us to believe in our own conversion. It's time for us that on the day when we believe that you were real and that we accepted you into our life, it's now now our turn to go and believe that for somebody else, to go and release that into somebody else, oh God. It's time for us to to stop doubting the word that you've brought into our lives. It's time for us to stop doubting the word that can save someone else. So Father God, right now, Fill us again with your spirit. Fill us again with your word, oh God. Fill us again with that desire and that that conviction. Fill us, oh Holy Spirit, with a deep conviction. With a deep conviction filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, oh God. Bring it to us again. Bring it to us again, oh God. Bring it to us as Jesus did. Lord, let us see what you're doing. Let us hear what you're saying. That we may become imitators of God. We may become imitators of you in everything that we do. Come on, guys, just begin begin to ask to God. Say, God, I need this for my own life. Maybe some of you, have. there's a word that you've let go of. I ask you right now, if you know it's of God, take hold of that word again and ask God to bring a fresh conviction of its truth. Otherwise, it will stay dead and unfulfilled. Lord God, I pray right now. Your promises endure. Your promises will never go unfulfilled if we take hold of the word in faith. Oh, mighty God, right now. Father, cultivate in this place a culture that believes anything is possible in your name. Father, let there be a culture shift in the the dream center where in this place we believe anything is possible. That anything you say is possible, we believe with all our hearts is possible, God. That we we do not fear to take this word out into everywhere we go. Oh, Father God, we pray for a culture shift. Shift the culture in our hearts, Lord. Shift the culture in this house. 
Renew the word. Renew the promises. Renew faith in the promise. Renew faith in the word, oh God. That's been brought over our lives. Father, reveal it right now. Release a fresh anointing. Release a fresh covering of your love over us. Release a fresh belief and faith in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. I'll leave you with this word. Jesus said to the centurion, let it be done just as you believed it would. Let it be done just as you believed it would. Take that thought with you. Lord, let it be done. I believe, therefore it will be done. Amen? Amen. All right, we'll be blessed. (laughs) Have a blessed week.